This is the Hans Shot First Podcast. They don't know it, I'm telling you. We'll be talking in-depth about common movie moments from my dead body. With the mix of all things pop culture along the way. Yeah, all Scott. Okay. Welcome, everyone, to Hans Shop First. I'm Jeff, joined as usual by Scott and Alex. Say hello. Hello. Hey. This week, we're talking about the Untouchables. Yeah, they were touchable. <laughs> yeah. They're somewhat, somewhat touchable. One might yeah, a little, t- a little touchable. Just, just a wee bit touchable. A wee bit touchable. <laughs> this movie came out in 1987. Was rated R. It was an hour and fifty nine minutes. I, guess. <laughs> I don't remember all What that. are you doing? You never do this. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, directed by Brian De Palma, starring. I'm not gonna do the writer. Do we care about the writers? David M- David Mamet. <laughs> hey Mamet. Hey Mamet. Well, David Mamet's a big deal. Yeah, yeah he's a big deal. Um, su- suggested by book. What does that mean? Oscar Fraley. That sounds like a Bart Simpson prank call name. I'm looking for an Oscar Is Fraley. It, isn't Oscar Fraley the bass player for Kiss? <laughs> isn't that Paul Stanley? That, that's right. Um, I, don't I don't. I don't know my Kiss member. I was thinking of Ace Freely. <laughs> Ace Freely. That's the drummer for Kiss. Okay. Starring Kevin Costner, Sean Connery, Robert De Niro, Andy Garcia, Charles Martin Smith, and others. Mm-hmm. Get a, I don't know if it's a first appearance, but uh, Patricia Clarkson too. Oh yeah. yeah. Every time they showed her, it was like heavenly music and way lit up. And... <laughs> it's a backlit like Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, Scott, this was your movie. As you suggested this, what's your history with this movie? So, I, I gotta think I saw this on cable. I, I can't. I mean, it's possible I saw this in the theater, uh, but over the years, definitely seen it on cable uh, and in syndication. Um, this this one's kind of a rough watch when it's edited down for TV, uh, but on cable, uh, it, it's I it's one of those movies that I always stop to watch if if it was on. Um, occasionally, really? going out of my my way to watch it on my own if I I felt like I hadn't seen it in a while. Uh, this is. Uh, you know, I I think I can say it's one of my favorite movies. Um, I I don't know. It's definitely not my favorite crime movie or noir movie or even gangster movie, uh, but it's got a lot going for it. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm kind of kind of excited to talk about this one this week. All right, uh, I'll go next. I did not see this in the movie theater. Uh, I definitely saw it at somebody's house, and I don't know. But yeah, it's probably cable, HBO or something. And I remember being, like, it wasn't for me. Like, I was a little too young. So this came out, yeah, I was 10. I uh, probably like 11 or 12 when I saw it. It really wasn't for me. But I remember people watching it. And the scene where Sean Connery puts a gun in the guy's mouth. And that freaked me out as a kid. Like, I'm like, I don't want to watch this. This is hardcore. Going back to Commando. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Commando doesn't have any guns in mouths. They just shoot people between the eyes from a distance. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or chop their heads off with from a distance. And oh, point blank range when negotiations break her down. Showing, sawing people's heads off with blades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
but the, so I saw it like that as a kid briefly, and then years later I did watch the whole thing. And this is, but this is probably only the second time I've watched it full. Okay, um, and it's one of those movies. I guess there were quotes in this movie the whole time. I was like, oh, well, that's where that came from. Oh, that's where that came from because I guess a lot of people quote this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Alex, what's your history? I've never seen this movie before. Oh, I think I on uh, one of those trivia game like DVDs or something where they ask <laughs> like a question and they show a short movie clip. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, I, know I think that's about. the the only piece of the Untouchables that I saw is when they were recruiting uh, George Stone. Okay, Andy Garcia. How did you know about the way thing? Then you kept saying that ad nauseum when we were talking about doing this movie. What about the Chicago way? Yeah. Oh, that's just that's uh, out in the ether. Of, okay. <laughs> of entertainment, that just like oh, that's from right. the Untouchables. Sean Connery. All right. Well, let's get into it. As usual, we're each going to talk about seven items from the movie. Scott, lead us off. What's your number seven? Okay. Uh, I'm going to start off with with what I, I, I like least about the movie, uh, and I think what kind of keeps it from from being in a, in a higher tier of movies. <laughs> Kevin Costner. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> it's not Costner actually. This is this is probably one of my my favorite Costner performances. I mean that isn't to say I'm a huge Costner fan, but uh no no, it's uh no, and no. also De Palma kind of borrows liberally from a few things here. Uh you know what's the saying um good writers borrow, great writers steal. Uh, something like that. Uh, I think, I think yeah. De Palma kind of follows that that mantra here, at least with this movie. Um, sometimes to, to better effect than others, but all the gangster stuff in this movie is is so not all of it, but most of it is is kind of laughable. Uh, I think uh, De Niro as Capone is is probably the weakest link in the movie. Um, for me, oh, anyway, man, I, I like the movie. Uh, it's it's fun. I, don't get me wrong; it's still fun. Like it never, I, I, it's never to the point where I want to rush through his stuff, but it's it's such a a scene scenery chewing turn by by De Niro, um, and it, it just really pulls me out of the movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's not that he's even bad necessarily. It's just for, with the tone of the movie, they they go back and forth. I, I will say that I do appreciate. Uh, the, I, I don't want to say this is a this movie has any kind of a backlash, but um, this this movie definitely does not romanticize uh, you know mobster life like like some previous movies like The Godfather, uh, and so I kind of appreciate that. Like they're all scumbags in this, <laughs> uh, which I'll talk a little bit more when we get to uh, Billy Drago as, as Frank Nitti. Um But yeah, for the most part, they're they're all just kind of like. I don't know. It felt like a second-rate Godfather. They're all around in the tuxedos and stuff, and I don't know. A lot of it just felt a little silly. I, I did enjoy the, the whole baseball bat thing, which I'm sure one of you is going to talk about. But um, did you say one of yous? One of yous. <laughs> one, <laughs> one, one of yous twos. One of yous twos. Yeah, the basically the, the Capone stuff is is I think what keeps this for, for me from, from being like really really one of my all timers. Okay, uh, I'll go next. And seven, number seven is Kevin Costner's terrible. <laughs> really? Um, I'm on my list. 
he was not as bad as he was in uh, Robin Hood. There actually are some parts where he's okay, but there's yeah. other parts where he's. What is it? He goes to that family, or is just oh, I'm so sorry for what you've been through. Like he breaks down, and it's like oh, it was so awful. Uh, um, I I I disagree. Uh, I think I think the 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 kind of ah shucks ultra like sincerity earnestness is is kind of his wheelhouse, and I, and I think it plays well here, um, considering the fact that he, his character does go through kind of a, a, a an arc, like his character changes by by the end of the movie. Um, and I think Costner does a good job of that. Yeah, I'm going to have to go ahead and disagree with you okay. there. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I did not like him in this movie. Like I said, better than Robin Hood. Yeah. Well, I felt not like... Not as good as can we all agree? Can we all agree, like, whether you, you liked him here or not, that he wasn't mailing it in like he was in Robin Hood? That would be true. Okay. Um, but yeah, I just... Since he's he was in almost every scene, yeah, wasn't a fan. That's my number seven. Mm. Costner is bad. Alex, what's your number seven? My number seven was, like Scott said earlier, <laughs> this movie has a lot of quotes. And it's like, oh, that's what that's from. But in this one, in this case, <laughs> it linked me to another movie. And I was like, oh, my gosh. That's what Donut was saying in Kung Fu Hustle. Right. That whole se- sequence was a was an homage to this, yeah. Yeah, because I know Donut in that movie spoke you know, English lines and nobody knows what, knew what he was talking about. And uh, I knew he did some uh, movie quotes and everything like that, but I, I didn't know, like, what are you prepared to do? It's like, it's like, oh, man, Donut's dying words, and hopefully that inspires the two landlords to fight back. I didn't know Sean Connery, <laughs> Malone, in his death throes. I was I, like, oh, that's what Donut said. I, I love Kung Fu Hustle so much. I, <laughs> we should talk about it a second time. <laughs> yeah, I think we should. Uh, yeah, the same thing. I don't know if you remember, I... And Mallrat, I think it's Mallrats, when there's a fight and Scott Moser is like, they're choking each other out. He's like, you're bucking with the G, pal. <laughs> that, that's from this. And I was like, I heard that. I was like, holy crap, that's from Mallrats. And I looked it up. Sure enough, it was. And uh, While we're on that note, there's this uh, YouTube channel I watch where this guy goes. He mostly just does like Disneyland stuff, but he'll go and like do other tour across the country and do stuff and at the end of every end of every episode he goes well i've done my duty it's time to go home and sleep well <laughs> and he he's always in it with a weird accent it's not quite a sean connery accent but as soon as i heard it in this line i'm like oh that's what he's doing and he's trying to do a bad sean connery accent <laughs> so that was kind of funny to put those up um all right uh scott number six number six is uh Kind of the, the, the whole sequence leading up to end the ultimately the the scene itself when they they do the first real takedown. Um, so just uh, Malone coming to him, telling him that you know you've got to you know that everybody's corrupt, so they got to go get an apple that that hasn't fallen from the tree yet, um, and then they recruit Stone and they need a fourth guy and they just happen to pick up. Um, uh, Charles Charles Martin Smith. Um, he was like, "Can you carry a gun?" Yeah, <laughs> like good. <laughs> they just they just hand him the shotgun basically, and then they go down there, and then he uh, gives the, the Connery gives the, the brief speech about 
you know, this is the point of no return. And the, the whole thing about how everybody knows where the stuff is. The, the, you know, the question is, who's willing to crush Capone? Uh, so that, that whole sequence that after he's become the, after Ness has become the laughing stock of, of the, that whole police station, uh, and, and, and in the press, um, and they show up in the, the, the mook <laughs> is indignant. It's like, Hey, you can't be here. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah. and then hey, Connery do this? busts him in the, in the gut with the, with the shotgun. Um, yeah, that whole sequence, and then ultimately, when they're they're sitting around having the dinner, and they're they're all like, you know, they're all jovial, and then the the uh, reporter busts in, and they all draw their guns, and for you know for a second you've you've forgotten that oh yeah they really did do something that could get them killed, like have have like people come out to like kill them, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah that, that that whole sequence that that kind of sets up. Everything else that they do in this movie, uh, as far as as going after all the the bootlegging, uh... did did you not think that they they're going after Capone? This is they know if we're gonna do this, things are gonna go bad. He would not have sent his wife and kid out of town or or something. Um, that's a, that was pretty careless on his. That's behalf. that's you know Jeff, that's a good question. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. You think, like, given the fact that they're willing to blow up children in this movie, that <laughs> they would have yeah. to do it? Mm-hmm. You know, it wouldn't have taken until they actually fired on his house for him to think twice about it. Yeah, yeah I don't know. and then they he put him away. He sent them with. Um, well, I know they vouched uh, for his for the guy driving, but to the police station where he knows there's crooked cops in there too. Like, isn't that where he sent them after that? I don't think I don't, so. they didn't go. No, they didn't go to the police station. They like I went to her he was... to her like some family with hers or something. I thought he said the police station. Okay, I know oh, he yeah. vouched because it was his uh, Sean Connery's cousin, so he vouched for the driver. But it's like I don't know. I've seen Dark Knight. I know you can't. <laughs> I've learned one thing: it's that you can't trust the Irish. All right. Well, on to my number six, which is uh, you already mentioned it, Scott. Is uh, De Niro's Capone here? He oh, a little too much for me. I didn't like him. Um, but I'll throw in that the baseball bat scene. While it was that stuck out for me as, as a kid, I remember that scene. It was pretty messed up. That the gun in the mouth and then the baseball bat was something I didn't remember. And even this time, I flinched. I'm like, I oh, know it's going to happen at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never what seen is, the movie. It's like what is Pickup's bat? What is that? <laughs> What is that which brings me joy? Baseball. It's like, oh shit, uh, here it comes. But yeah, teamwork, I yeah, like teamwork, yeah, yeah, teamwork, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they go, they go full on like Adam Sandler skit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely teamwork. At the very end when he's in the courtroom, he's like, huh, can't hear you. What? Huh? Can't hear you. Like, it was just so, ah. Uh, not a fan. But De Niro... I mean, I'm a fan of De Niro, but not in this movie. It's just such a weird contrast. You think about him as Vito Corleone, and then I obviously had other movies between between Godfather and and Heat, but just it's so weird seeing him like this. Like you know, after that, you know, he's done all kinds of weird shit, like Meet the Parents and things like that. But uh, I don't know. I, I guess he just wanted to embody Capone. 
Because he, he was, like, doing the full method thing where he was, like, putting on weight and, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it was just a weird a weird hill to, to climb on, I guess, to, to get there. Have you guys ever been to Alcatraz? I have not been to Alcatraz. Nope. So, if you go there, I mean, this is what it was. The Rock? 20, 20 years ago. Wait, Jeff, you, what, what, you mean The Rock? The Rock, yes. Um, and you get those, like... You know, you put the headphones on and you do a walking tour or whatever, and you they get the cues. And like seriously, I would say six out of ten places you see, all it says is Al Capone may or may not have been staying on this cell block. Al Capone, <laughs> this may or may not have been his cell. Al Capone may or may not have taken a bath in this shot. Like all it is, like he's like one of like three very famous inmates, and all they do, no matter where you go, is like Capone may have been here. This may or may Crap. not have been the sun when she got syphilis. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the Simpsons made a joke about that when they go like to the old west, old town or western town. Bandits may or may not have walked on these very planks. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Click. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Capone. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, sorry, and I'm going to ramble on again. Speaking of Godfather, I saw a little thing on Reddit today, and it was like a caption of like. Mario Puzo and Mario Puzo when uh, tasked to write the screenplay for Godfather had never had no experience writing a screenplay he just winged it uh, years later he decided he should finally get a book on how to write a screenplay and the first chapter said read the Godfather screenplay <laughs> you know you know, it's funny I, I took a, a screenwriting class once in college and uh, like the, the software that will automatically format the scripts the way they're supposed to look for you. I think it was called like Dreamweaver or something like that. Uh, like to license that shit was like like a, like five hundred dollars or something. Like that. It was something or like even a thousand. It was absolutely ridiculous. So I'm like, this is bullshit. I can just hit the tab button. And like like they everybody was like looking at it, going like, wow, how did you do this? It's like I don't know. I just hit, I just hit tab and made it light up in the middle, make it look like. Like other screenplays, like yeah, yeah. Didn't you center justify? Um, there was more to it than that. I forget exactly what it was. Like, it, it obviously couldn't have been that complicated if I could do it. Yeah. But <laughs> is it center justify the saying of the Marines? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, pretty close. Right. Okay, Alex. What's your number six? My number six is Malone's death. Uh, it was pretty brutal, and uh, I really liked uh, Sean Connery's performance as Malone. But like, I I felt like I should have felt more for his death, but he was just so blatantly racist that I was like, "Well, yeah, what do you expect?" He was charmingly racist, I would say. <laughs> it was like, yeah, the character. It's like ah, I. I I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to feel more for Malone's death right here, but I just don't care for this racist asshole. Well, I mean, so. to be fair, every Italian person in this movie is is evil. So, yeah, even Andy Garcia, especially Andy Garcia. <laughs> it was this other Irish cop buddy that was just as evil, if not more so. He let the other cop get taken out in the elevator. And why does Andy Garcia always play Italian in movies? Oh, that's just Hollywood. Like, <laughs> why, why, why did Chuck Heston play a Mexican guy in anything? 
It's old Hollywood. I know, but like almost, I can think of almost every Andy Garcia movie. He's playing a mob, like a, a Italian mob boss of some kind. I would think. I don't know. Yeah, Ocean's Eleven. I'll tell you, that yeah. Is. See, some somebody's rattling. By the way, I hear that too. Yeah. Could it just be my chair when I'm moving around? No, no, it's not your chair. Anyway. Yeah, okay. Anyway. Uh. All right, you, Malone's death. So we're on to uh, Scott number five. Five is uh, I hear they're rattling too. Is uh, Ness's journey, uh, especially when he gets to smash ultimate? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so he starts off again, and I think this is like I, I don't think this is a particularly great turn from Costner. Like it's a great show of acting, but I, I think he does a solid job here, um, showing Ness go through the beginning where he's very gung ho, earnest, by the book. Uh, and uh, hey Vern, what was that? You said Ernest, so uh, I said hey Vern. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yes. Ernest goes to Chicago. <laughs> Ernest goes to Chicago way. Uh, <laughs> you're messing with the G, Vern. <laughs> so, by by the end of the movie, uh, he he's seen what what it takes to do this, and you know. In this case, it's almost wholesale. Well, no, it, it's not. It's not like it is wholesale murder, but <laughs> uh, he, he's definitely wiser, like more streetwise. Uh, he's more hardened by the end of the movie. Um, still managed to, managing to keep his ideals intact. Uh, I, I think the the movie does a good job of making this kind of his story about how how he ultimately is able to accomplish what, what he's what he's after um well again mostly through violence uh but again this is this is yeah. 1920s these are uh these are hard men uh i think there's like yeah, there's like three women in the entire movie is <laughs> the the grieving mother the wife and the the mom of the, the carriage like, <laughs> so we did not care about the women folk all too much. You know, uh, now that you mention it, there was that one weird lady that I think was associated with the mob, but kind of didn't go anywhere. Like, she got off the elevator, and she kind of looked back like she knew. Yeah, what was up with that? Was there, and then she was in the courtroom again at the end. I thought she was going to play a bigger role, but... Mm. Yeah, me too. When she came out of the elevator, she definitely had a knowing look on her face. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think like Jeff, you brought it up earlier. Um, you know, in this movie about men, they they gave uh, Patricia Clarkson the the Arwen treatment. Oh God! <laughs> Every single time, the music was all angelic and the light. Yeah, the like... basically softened her as much as they could uh, to to show that like that. Oh, there's there's stuff beyond the violence, uh, beyond all the the horrible things going on. Um, I thought she was going to die because they kept every time they kept showing that. I, was like, <laughs> yeah. oh. I didn't remember. I totally or thought they were going to get it. Ch- yeah, check Chekhov's backlit wife. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I got to write a book. Yeah. Chekhov's backlit wife. Uh, yeah, I did. You know, this time, I, you know, I was, I was thinking about the movie more critically, uh, and, I, and I did like the Ness's journey through throughout this. So yeah, it's been a fun. Hmm. All right. 
on to my number five. And by the way, the mucking with the G line is not from Ma Rats, it's from Chasing Amy. And that's when they keep making fun of him, calling him a tracer, and they get into a fight. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, my th- number five is the Brian De Palma shots. Like, he's famous for these pans and these weird things. And I think, like, half of them worked and half of them didn't work for me. <laughs> um, so they always stand out when you watch his movies. And this one, they're, the one where, like, Malone's death scene where you see him, he's in the, it's coming in, you can sort of see him from a distance and all that stuff was pretty cool. There were other ones that I, which I can't single out now, but some of them I thought were really awkward and I thought, I thought some were pretty good, so. That's been number five. It's not as cool as, like, the, the one in um, the chainsaw scene from Scarface, right? Where they pull the chainsaw, then it goes all camera goes all the way out to the guy in the car hitting on the girls in the bikinis, comes back in, and then he runs all that stuff. But this one was pretty good. All right, Alex, number five. My number five is that Kevin Costner is terrible. <laughs> I said bad. You said terrible. All right. Is, well, see, the, what's weird is that when he's not doing when he's doing like soft spoken like normal voice stuff like when he's supposed to do like day to day stuff he was pretty solid he was competent he was doing good but as soon as he had to turn on like some emotion or he had to like uh, uh, break out or be loud or yell and stuff that's when he got like woof, woof. oh my god Costner he's going full Costner on this one <laughs> Costner's gone full Costner <laughs> yes. it's like well my gosh we take it back it's like every time he got loud and he, he tried to emote uh, beyond just, you know, the day-to-day stuff. It's like that's when it got, when it pulled me out of the movie. I was like, woof. Not so good. But agreed, that agreed. wasn't too much of the movie, but. Agree to disagree. <laughs> yeah, we know. <laughs> just say it again for the record. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree to agree. Yeah. So <laughs> it was, uh, it, it was like, uh, I would say like 60-40. 60% okay. <laughs> I just think it was terrible. All right. Scott, number four. Uh, number four is is the casting in this, um, other than De Niro. <laughs> I, I think it all works together really well. Uh, the the titular untouchables, uh, I think, are, are really good together. Um, Andy Garcia is, is playing this kind of low wattage intensity he doesn't have a whole lot of lines, uh, but he, I think he does a great job of just just kind of being this solid presence in the background uh, for a lot of it. And, and he gets a mo- few moments to be a real badass uh, toward the end of the movie. Um, and, you know, ultimately the like the last guy that, that Costner is kind of able to depend on. Um, and then I also really like uh, Charles Martin Smith here is the, the Nebuchadnezzar uh fbi bookkeeper basically like the the good guy bookkeeper <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh how he he's you know just like oh yeah i'm like like i can show you these tax returns and like they, they almost like laugh him out of the room at first until uh mm-hmm. ness comes around on what it is that he's, that he's trying to show him um you know ultimately like he gets caught up in the, the whole thing of what they're doing and and you know pays the price for it mm-hmm. uh yeah, well, I think that's because he took a drink from that barrel. Yeah, and that's, that's why he got killed. That's true. That is true. Uh, he was no longer pure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I just really like the what, what he did with the you know the few scenes that he had to to, to kind of draw in a, 
the group to 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 make him likable uh, enough that, that that he did feel his death. Um, and more to say about Connery, um, you know, Trisha Clarkson is is good here, um, despite everything they were doing to like make her kind of look silly. Um, and I like they even like have her like on the ground, like it just like kind of some sort of, like yeah, it's just some some weird weird shots here. But um, uh, I, I also really like uh, Billy Drago here as, as Frank Nitty, who's just just so slimy, just oozes slimy. He's wearing the white mm-hmm. suits uh, to like drive the point home that that like he it just looks wrong on him. Because uh, he's, he's just like almost cartoonishly evil, uh, you know. He gives the, the great line about um, how Malone died like a stuck pig. Uh, he's, he's a a good um, substitute for the fact like that, that. Yeah, I think he was he was giving a little more energy than that. <laughs> a little more, right? Uh, you know, they obviously couldn't kill Capone off if they wanted to, to keep this. Like somewhat historically accurate. Um, Tarantino so, would. So, yeah. yeah, Tarantino, Tarantino would have done it. Uh, but uh, you know, Frank Nini was a was an acceptable <laughs> uh, comeuppance uh, character in, in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even like the the Irish police chief, <laughs> the stupid Irish police chief, uh, was also good uh, going back and forth with uh, with Connery. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I like, I like how it all kind of came together here. All right, um, my number four is more of a question, oh, as a as a statement and a question, but might as well talk about it. Is so the courtroom scene, like toward the very end of the movie, when they have the bookkeeper and they have all the the evidence, yeah, and De Niro's not sweating it, and I'm like, what the hell? And then they said we must. You know, I was gonna thought that was gonna be like this last minute evidence crap, like which is bull crap. And you know, if, if you know anything about it, you, both sides have access to all the evidence available. So like, why wouldn't they know? And then they would describe, oh well, it's because he's bought off the jury. It's not evidence; it's the jury. Fine, fair enough. But then when Sean, when the judge changes the jury, like, is that legal? <laughs> I, I was, just, you know, and I was thinking about that. Because both lawyers choose the jurors in a trial. When you go to jury duty, right? They both interview and then you get yeah i don't know it was it, it was so. 1920s like i don't the constitution pretty... was different back then <laughs> yeah. well yeah well, i don't know sure like, I, to... I i don't you know i i don't know that you couldn't do something like that like you know you, you have the right to be judged by your peers they didn't say anything about like jury selection necessarily like there might not have been precedent for, for something like that if we're going to get like nerd 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 out about the legal ramifications here i agree though jeff like it did seem weird to me like i don't know that they could do that even back in 1920 that's kind of what happened reading the trivia about the incident except that the judge instead of like trying to let it slide the judge actually found out that the jury was being bribed so and i think this happened before the trial it was about it was like just about to start and he found out that they might have been tampered with so he switched the juries okay well there you go I like that. Like, yeah, a... I mean, it's extenuating, extenuating circumstances here. It's a pretty big deal. The whole jury has been bribed. So, right. So what what year exactly is this? Uh, 1987. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't know. You can look that up. But um, so my other question like is... Years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when I said that, the const- I mean, you know, that's not, that's not stuff all in the Constitution about how you're being tried by your own peers and all that stuff. Isn't I, that don't, in there? I don't think it gets into that like much detail, not in the Constitution. Like, it does, I don't like, like, Constitution's not that long. Like, I, I don't think they get into it. seemed long in high school when you had to memorize it <laughs> yeah. for, for the civics test. Oh, God, <laughs> like, I don't even remember. The, I, I'm glad we memorized all that because I don't remember a damn thing. Like, the, I basically memorized it for that test. The preamble. Yeah. Uh, Oh, the preamble, yeah, word for word. But, like, the... Um, anyway, the... I don't, yeah, I don't think the, it says anything about, like, you can't swap juries once they've been selected or anything that implies that. Okay. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't say that, but I'm pretty sure you can't do that. You just... Because I'm in the jury duty, and, like, they... Once the, both sides have to agree to allow the juror onto the jury. Oh, yeah, now. Now it's definitely yeah. like that. I'm like, pretty sure the Capone it, rule. Like there's yeah. yeah there's some yeah there, yeah there's there's probably like some V versus whatever that, okay. that set the precedent for that in the federal court system. So. Mm-hmm. Capone versus Hess. <laughs> yeah, now if the jury has been contaminated or whatever, don't they just call it a wash and then they have to go through the whole process all over again? Something like that. <laughs> Diplomatic immunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, just been revoked. Okay, so. When Costner tries to tell the judge, you know, and he goes, that's just not evidence or whatever. And then they leave the room and then at the end he goes, what did you show him? And I told him he was on the list. And he's on the list. I don't get that. So why would the judge, that's evidence, right? Like, Yeah, I guess they would have just kept the ledger and gone after all the other people that were receiving bribes and money. So so all for, Costner for had to say. Also, right? So all, all Costner, all, all Ness would have had to have said was like, hey. Do you book, yield? This, yes. This this book, uh, this book had your name in it. We removed it. We're doing you a favor. If you don't if you don't help us out here, like to do the right thing, I'm gonna bring back the other ledger that does have your name in it, or something like that. By gosh, I'll bring it back. Okay, so the ledger submitted as evidence did not did not have his did not he's have okay. I said he would have seen the evidence and he would have been able well, to the, know, the, like the, yes, in in theory he could have called his bluff and then not seen it in there, right. but. It's likely it like the code, judge. Remember? The judge was like already bought off. So like, why would he have cared about going over all the evidence necessarily? So. Yeah, he was already. Plus, it was still it was still written the code. It still needed to be decoded. That's true. All right. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of code, the, the original code breaker guy that gets, that gets killed. That's Mo from Slapshot. I don't know if you guys recognized him. Yeah, I did. <laughs> the horn dog oh, from Slapshot. That's right. I thought he yeah. looked familiar. He's the... All right, uh, Alex, number four. My number four is, as Jeff has dramatically talked about, <laughs> shooting the dead body in the mouth, which I thought was great. <laughs> yeah. Like, Ness stops Malone from uh, beating up the witness because we need him and he's not talking. He's like, oh, yeah. So he props up the dead body like it's alive. That's what you're going to get. Oh, what? You can't talk with a gun in your mouth? <laughs> And then he just fucking shoots him. And every, everybody's like, what the hell is he doing? It was pretty... This movie wasn't very gory. That was pretty gory. There was actually, like, brain matter on the yeah. Yeah. wall afterwards. What the fuck am I on brain detail? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that was great. I did, I did like how indignant the, the Canadian Mountie <laughs> was about that. No, oh, yeah. Like, he's, like, he's so straight-laced that even Costner's, like, smirking at him. 
<laughs> yeah. They never went over like they blew it. Like they went too soon. They never even talked about that, right? They were just yeah. They're just assholes. Mm-hmm. And Conrad's like, oh well, <laughs> let's go kill some people. Yeah. That's so un-Canadian of them. The Canadians aren't assholes. They're fine, proper gentlemen. Until you put a hockey stick in their hand. Hey. <laughs> their beady eyes and floppy mouths. <laughs> yeah, the jaws go all the way up and down. <laughs> all right, uh, Scott, number three. Number three in my notes I have the train station Potemkin. Uh, so, you. so as I'd mentioned, De Palma has uh, reputation for maybe borrowing things. Uh, this, this is definitely an homage to the battleship Potemkin uh, with all the stairs and everything going on. Uh, I think this is singularly a, a great scene. Um, there's some, some really cool stuff going on here. Uh, you mentioned some of the, the, the shots, Jeff. Um, like, uh, maybe tad too much slow motion here. Yes, um, it goes on a little too I, much. I, I, I kind of appreciate where they're going out or why they were doing it to, to kind of add to, to the tension here. Um, bullet time. Yeah, bullet time. Uh, but yeah, there's some cool shots of like Garcia running from the pillar, um, even even in slow motion. Um, just all the the mayhem going on on the stairs, like people getting shot and falling over the railings, uh, and uh, him trying to, to catch up to the to the carriage. Um, some cool shit too, like just when he pulls out the shotgun. And the, the look of surprise in their faces, and he just wastes the first guy, um, and they they get in this big shootout. Um, the to to the ultimate part at the bottom where um, Stone slides and saves the carriage, um, while, while uh, tossing the or after uh, is it Costa tosses him again the other way around, other way around. Mm-hmm. Garcia hand throws him a gun. Yeah, throws him a gun, and. Uh, they uh, stop, and all of a sudden go back into real time. Um, the guy that takes the bookkeeper hostage—I swear to God—he got like shot seventeen times before, <laughs> but he's still up. Um, and uh, you know, they—they they, they kind of ignore him. He's, he's like freaking out, like I'm walking out of here with the bookkeeper, and then you know, just very calmly, uh, Costner, who knows Stone's a crack shot, um, and finally get to. That, that finally pays off from the, the beginning of the movie. Right. Um, you know, he just does the... In the middle of the guy's saying, oh, you got the count of, like, ten or whatever, three. Uh, gets to, like, one, and then Costner's take him. And, uh, yeah, more brain matter on the wall behind him. And the, the adequately freaked out bookkeeper. <laughs> uh, and then we get to the, to the final sequence at the, the courthouse. So one thing about that, did it bug you guys when Costner's going down the stairs, he's trying to shoot the guy that's down by the pillar, yet there's a guy on the stairs right across from him shooting at him, and he just has, he's not just turning the ball, that guy, the guy that gets like four pot shots at Costner and misses every single one, I'm like, just turn and shoot that guy first, like he's right next to you. And then oh, they that baby first person shooters back then, Jeff. Okay. And that baby carriage could have survived by its... It got all the way to the bottom step with no problem. I'm pretty sure it just would have coasted to a nice a nice little <laughs> stop at the end of the train station. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, my baby. Just, 
I know. I mean, realistically, it would have flipped over after the fourth step. But the way that thing was just going down, like, it, it, the first, last step, but it was still fine. I, I just seems memorable to me. I think that yeah, too much slow motion. It just get, got old. I fast forwarded through it because I was getting tired. I wanted to watch WandaVision because I hadn't watched it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know this. I know this scene's going to take forever to watch this goddamn baby carriage fall for 20 minutes. And so, like, I was just. Especially the tension leading up to it, I was kind of skipping a little bit. Yeah, yeah well, that's worth mentioning too. When they're uh, just standing around, and you know, every person coming through the, those doors, like, is that them? Is that them? Uh, right. The, again, it was a, a great scene. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're on my number three? Yes. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. The falling death at the end was freaking terrible and i know we're gonna have more about to say about this later it's i'll say it's awesomely terrible <laughs> but it's bad um that's all i got to say about that not the worst of the 80s but yeah yeah <laughs> oh boy. so that's my number three alex number three my number three is that awesome first person shot that they had when the mobsters are sneaking into malone's house Right yeah, before they trick him outside, that was great. It was like the crane shot that they had, and then it goes straight like up to the side of the wall, then it goes into the window. I gotta, I gotta check out how they did that whole sequence because that was amazing. And then following Connery, and then <laughs> he's not outside. He's like, oh shit, he's messing with his uh, Omo gramophone or whatever. He just checks that the door is locked. I don't, that was one thing he did that wasn't like Connery walks into the hallway, just like checks the knob of the door, and then just walks away. Like <laughs> he's in there. But yeah, that was awesome. That was one of the shots I mentioned that he did. That was really good. That was amazing. Yeah, at least you look into that. I don't know if there was any like hidden cuts there or anything, but it was pretty good. I don't think so. But yeah, I don't know. Got to check it out. All right, uh, Scott, number two. Number two is the the score here, the Mario <laughs> Morricone. Uh, this is uh, all timer for me. Um, I, I really love the the soundtrack here. Uh, the the gangster theme, um, the 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 main theme is uh, a kind of a departure from from all of the spaghetti western stuff. Uh, it's, it's it's very uh, kind of upbeat's not the right word but um there, there is like an uplifting section to it and uh a, a little uh kind of a downbeat um which kind of follows the arc of the whole movie um my, my one complaint with the soundtrack and it's not it's not like Cohen's fault this is purely on De Palma so I feel like sometimes the music's uh like directing the movie uh kind of wagging the dog as it were um where where like a lot of the, the emotional cues uh from the movie uh are, are from the music more so than maybe the 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 actors here uh yeah kevin costner kind of my, my one complaint here um but uh yeah i, re- I really do love the score here uh, that's my number two mm. All right, uh, my number two is the score as well. But I said the score is something. There are good music cues, but I think it takes, it's just too loud. Like they bring it up, it's just too much in your face. And I did not, 
it bugged me a lot of the scenes. Like it just felt too much. Like we were talking about with his wife. Every time she was there, it was just Aah! and I don't know, it was just <laughs> too loud. Those guys are just too loud. It, just, it felt like <laughs> it was like driving. Like, yeah, it was like it's kind of taking over, and I, in a different way, it didn't work for me, and I did not like it. Even you said it's, yeah, it's different than he normally does for his spaghetti westerns. Yeah, it's not good compared to his spaghetti westerns. Just saying. Sorry. Alex, number two. My number two is De Niro as Capone. <laughs> I love them hamming it up. Uh, especially that first scene at the, at the very beginning of the film where he's getting the shave and everything. Uh, uh, that was fantastic. I think that's my favorite Capone scene out of the whole film. Uh, where he, he he's uh, charming he's charming all the reporters and everything but you can see that little edge of danger once the well he moves and the barber ends up cutting him the barber's just like afraid for his life and Capone just gives him like that side glance like oh I fucking kill you right now but this is reporters what am I gonna do so he just cools off that was fantastic but yeah that scene at the end where he's like what I can't hear you he's like ah. Oh. When they got face to face, I thought they were gonna say something cool. I was like, "Oh, that's disappointing." What? I can't hear you. Yeah. Like what? What? Uh, that's stupid. But other than that, I loved it. All right, Scott, number uno. Number one is is Connery in this movie. Uh, this is probably my my favorite Connery performance. Um, you know, beyond all the the James Bond stuff or. Up for October is another one of my favorites, even though he's Russian with a Scottish accent, uh, and and numerous other movies that he's been in. Uh, but but I really really liked what he's doing here. Um, this is definitely more of a, a low key role for for Connery. Um, you know, and this is kind of displays Connery the actor more than kind of the larger than life persona he had that they they drew upon for a lot of his roles. Um, he just. He does like the world weary, street smart, kind of a little little smug, but still likable. Uh, he kind of brings it all together here as, as he's bringing along Ness um, to you know teaching him what he actually needs to do. Um, and the whole time, you can kind of see the reticence there that that he knows he's getting himself into trouble for this, uh, but but he decides to do it anyway. Um, you know, just some some cool stuff. I love how he like plays with the um, the all the saint charms that he has. Uh, there's like little things that he's doing with this movie. Um, you know, just just about every line at that that he delivers in this movie is great. There's the whole sequence where they meet in the church. You know, the he uh, he draws a knife. He draws a gun. He puts one of yours in the hospital. You put one of his in the morgue. That's the Chicago way. Uh, it's a classic classic line uh, like jeff you mentioned the <laughs> the g um just when they're they're standing around in that little farmhouse in canada on the canada border he's just telling them like don't wait for it to happen just let it happen and you know he's just this, this solid presence uh to, to his to his ultimate death scene uh uh just the the fight he gets into with the with the stupid irish chief uh you know, the, yeah the old man fight <laughs> yeah the old man fight uh, where he shows, uh, you know, how kind of angry he is. Um, it's just, it's just a great performance. Uh, and, uh, pro- probably my favorite thing about this movie. Um, you know, you, you, like just that, that first scene with him where he's walking the beat and he sees Ness and the, 
who would who would claim to be a treasury officer who was not you know just uh just just constantly has a line for everything um yeah it's 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 good stuff uh you know connery would go on to win an oscar for for his role here as a supporting actor so oh i didn't know that yeah so probably because yeah. of his racism <laughs> worth 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 the price of admission well, it's probably Connery. Connery is probably the reason why there weren't any women in this movie. <laughs> Sometimes oh. you just gotta hit them a little bit. Yeah, I mean, if you're getting hysterical, right? Yes. You no other choice. <laughs> the Sean Connery way. You are a 900 year old man. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that's that's my favorite thing about this movie is uh, Connery. So that's my number one. Uh, my number one as well. Um, even if he is a uh, racist bastard, uh, he he makes the movie. He's the only good part about this movie for me. <laughs> I, I didn't hate this movie, but he definitely made it watchable and enjoyable. His performance. I don't know if I buy that guy that knows everything. He's a beat cop. Like that. Ha- that's the thing that happens in movies and stuff, right? I mean, even they do it in The Wire, where there's a guy just waiting to get his retirement, and then he come out and he has all this world uh, worldly knowledge and fine, whatever got him there, got him there. Because he does not willing to take a bribe, and they put him down there. Whatever the reasons are, uh, but I thought he was really good in this. And yeah, like all his lines are memorable. I love the way he leads leads the guy. He really, I mean, even though it's Costner's team, he really is the leader. Yeah. And uh, yeah, um, the, the recruit. Everybody yeah, talked about the the recruiting scene for Garcia. Yeah. We talked about it a little bit, but the the you're a lion member of a no good race, and then he he. Pulls the gun on him and it's like, oh, I like him. <laughs> yeah, see, he's not a racist. He's a prejudiced. <laughs> there it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, Sean Connery, my number one. Alex. My number one is a shootout at the train station. Although the slow motion was a bit gratuitous, I still liked it a lot. It still awesome. Well, very well choreographed. Except for yeah, <laughs> that one guy's like, just shoot him. <laughs> He's yeah. Right there. Except for that little oversight, <laughs> everything was pretty cool. Some nice squib work in there. The baby did not get shot, thankfully, probably because <laughs> that baby carriage was made out of U.S. steel and asbestos from top to bottom. It was yeah, fire retardant too. <laughs> yeah, lined with asbestos, so the baby was a hundred percent safe. <laughs> And yeah, Andy Garcia is still at the at the bottom holding the carriage, like holding five hundred pounds of baby carriage on top of him. You got him, yeah, I got him. And he just didn't plug him until he he got the word from the jefe. Take him. That was hey, awesome. Uh, and there's no like ramps in 1918 or whatever this was. Accessibility no, wasn't a thing for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know, but it's a train station. What? Yeah. What about mothers with? Baby carriages, let alone well, that's what they the did. elderly. Or well, there was obviously them. something wrong with her if there wasn't a man around to help her. <laughs> wow. Jeebus H. Scott at gmail.com. She was going to visit her man, Scott. That's why she was at the uh, train station. Isn't this Women's History Month? It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, like, like I said, that's... Uh, I, the thoughts and opinions of Scott <laughs> did not represent Han Schaffer's. That's right. No, we love I, women. Like, like I said, they're... they're other than like Patricia Clarkson, there are no women in this movie. Yeah, that's true. Like this is, uh, they they decided to just not have women. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, any honorable mentions from anybody? Um, 
All the old timey cars are cool. Yeah, I think I think this yeah. works decently well as a period piece. Yeah, uh, we don't get to see a whole lot of Chicago, but what you do see like looks fairly authentic. Like I, I've never been to Chicago, so I have no idea. But um, yeah, like the costuming and the, and the and the sets they they all work pretty well. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was no montage in this movie, right? No. Yeah, I think it, I think this movie could have used the montage of them breaking down, like, going to different speakeasies and stuff. That's another thing. You didn't see a speakeasy anywhere in this movie. That's true. That like, doing true. a bunch of other raids or, or doing some other stuff while Capone's getting madder and madder. Yeah. Then again, I think that happened in Dick Tracy. It so. does happen to Dick Tracy. Yeah. yeah. I, I, did I feel like, like it happens in every other movie of this era except <laughs> yeah. this one. Yeah, a montage. that's true. Yeah. I, I did like... Uh, uh, the line at the end about what happens if they repeal the 22nd or not 22nd yeah. the uh, yeah. 21st what's the, the yeah 21st 21st oh my gosh they're like I'll have a drink like, yeah. which I did like that they brought that up like I don't care if it's a victimless crime it's still breaking the law like that was because I'm sure that was back then like we would all be drinking <laughs> right yeah. if we could get a hold of it like oh, yeah. that oh yeah Right, it's kind of like I get it. it's kind of like with like marijuana now, even though I guess now and now that's uh, legal. Most well, places. I think I think people that's, do it, it's just but it's a victimless crime. Yeah, I, don't yeah I think I think that's why they have that that scene in the beginning when they blow up the mm-hmm. right the, the whatever girl. it was. Yeah, uh, I want to say pharmacy. I don't know. Yeah, then, like a pharmacy slash ice cream like parlor, soda shop. Yeah, exactly. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's time to rate poor it. George Bailey. <laughs> time to rate it on a scale of one to seven. One being garbage, seven being perfection. Scott, oh, this is a six for me. Uh, okay. I, I like, like I said, I, I really enjoyed this movie. I will, I will stop to watch it. Uh, there, there are a few things holding it back um, from from a seven, uh, but yeah, I, I feel comfortable giving it a six. All right, um, I'm gonna give it a four, and that is the only reason it's that high is because of Sean Connery. Because I did not like this movie, and it sucks because I actually uh, I had a hard time. Well, I'll get behind the scenes. When I downloaded this movie, I uh, I got is a rent was like three dollars. Buying it was six dollars, so I bought it and I wasted three dollars. Let's just say that. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't think you did. But... And the free version that I had acquired did not work. <laughs> so, yeah. wasted $3 on this freaking thing. I'm never going to watch it again. But anyway, a four. Alex. I'm also going to give this a four. Uh, I didn't outright hate it, but it was kind of bland for me, even though uh, De Niro, <laughs> I really like this performance, and John Connery does solid work. Overall, as a, as a whole film, it was kind of like meh. So mm. what I'm hearing is we need to watch more Costner movies. <laughs> I'm fine with that, but we've already seen a few. Seen how many we done now? Sil- two, Silverado, Three. and yeah, uh, Robin Hood. What else? What do we got? Tin Cup. Oh, Silverado. We didn't. We have not done Tin Cup, <laughs> and we never will do Tin Cup. Water Water World. Oh Jesus! Yes, have we done Waterworld? I like that. <laughs> movie. I haven't seen it. We have Waterworld. not done Waterworld. Please, let's not do Waterworld. Smeet, <laughs> let's get some. Speed if if, if some... we're gonna do Waterworld, <laughs> Waterworld. We, we, I need two weeks to 
<laughs> rather than the, the usual one week to, to get the movie watched. The Postman. <laughs> oh man, that fucking movie. We, we can watch Tom Petty's greatest performance. What we really can do is when baseball season starts, which is right around the corner, we can do Feel the Dreams or Bull Durham or something. Oh, yeah, because I've okay. never seen either of those movies. So either I way. love Feel the Dreams. So you want to have a catch, Jeff? No, don't, don't cry. All right, um, and with that, it's time for our crossover topic, which is what Scott top five falling scene sequences. However, you want to slice it here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll. Uh, uh, Frank Needy being tossed off the top of the courthouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this was an interesting list because uh, I had no trouble coming up with things. So the only difficult part was mm-hmm. actually kind of picking the ones picking the ones I wanted to go on here. Um, so I'll go ahead and start with uh, my number five, uh, and that is Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Uh, they basically. I don't <laughs> They basically, you basically get uh, tossed into hell. I guess just put it very loosely, and they fall forever, and that's that's the joke. Um, <laughs> it kind of plays against the, this this whole trope here. Um, so they, they're screaming and they fall for so long that they just stop screaming, and they're like, "Oh, well, I guess we're not landing anytime soon." And then they start that's playing awesome. twenty questions with each other. <laughs> it's 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 so ridiculous and uh yeah it makes me laugh this is, this is a movie that i watched a lot as a kid um so yeah bill and ted's bogus journey is my number five all right um my number five comes from a movie that i don't think we've ever referenced on this podcast before remember we have it is cliffhanger and the very first scene <laughs> yeah when uh, the girl, they're going across the little thing and she slips and, and Sylvester Stone's holding on to her, holding on to her, and then she lets go. You. Her glove falls off or his glove falls mm-hmm. off and she falls like five minutes in the movie. Falls mm-hmm. to her death. I and might then... add that up later on my list. All right. And then mm-hmm. they blame him for that shit. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, he was doing his best. He's, like, he's doing all his grimacing and everything. The Rook. The Rook is unforgiving. Himself. Mm-hmm. And she fell down and hung out with Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And the Sex Squatch. Let's say the Sex Squatch. Let's say Michael Ricker gets the everlasting shit kicked out of him in that movie. We should talk about the finger one instead. God, I haven't. I've, I saw the movie in the movie theater, and that's probably the Same. only time I've ever seen it. <laughs> I don't remember it being good, but yeah. do you remember a movie called Daylight when Ar- when someone's yes. stuck in a tunnel in new york yes or yes they're like in a yeah. flooded like yeah yeah i've seen that movie once in the movie theater as well yeah <laughs> i'm glad i pay for that all right strong. alex what's your number five my number five is macaulay culkin's the good son spoiler Oof. alert his mom fucking drops him because he's an evil son of a bitch should have been called the bad mom <laughs> yeah <laughs> no that's home alone yeah She's grabbing two kids. One, like, I forget even what the other kid is. Like, her aunt. The kid's, like, her nephew or something. Yeah. Or it's second cousin and her son on the other one. But her son's, like, a homicidal maniac. And he, you know, kills people for fun. So she drops her kid. Macaulay Culkin. The Colk. The Colk. Yeah. I would have been interested to see, like, 20 more minutes of that movie. Because, like, 
even though she might have felt like she did the right thing, like you'd never be able to like treat like you you wouldn't want to have anything to do with the other kid either. It wasn't yeah, his fault. No, You're like I can't, I just can't have you around. Sorry. Or she would have committed suicide herself from parental grief. Yeah, the good son. All right, Alex. I mean, sorry, Scott. Number good four. son. Scott. <laughs> uh, so number four uh, is Doctor Strangelove. Uh, <laughs> I just watched that too. Scott, damn it. Yep the the Slim Pickens. Slim Pickens. Uh, uh, riding the 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 nuke down. <laughs> One of the most iconic shots in all of cinema. Yeehaw! Uh, yeah. And then, uh, then he then he would eventually go go work for uh, Hedy Lamar, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's great. All right, um, that's a good one. Yeah, my number four actually has two fall scenes in them, but I'm gonna well, I'm gonna talk about both. Well, because you guys might have one of them anyway. But I'm gonna talk about RoboCop. Do you guys have this on your list or no? Audible yeah. mention for me. So go ahead. Okay. Well, the famous one, the last one at the end with what's his face? Um, Iron Butt. Iron Butt. Iron Butt. Falling out and he gets the really long arms because of whatever stupid ass <laughs> special effect they're using. Stop motion. But, <laughs> but no, it's earlier in the movie when it's kind of like the montage of Robocop on his first night on the scene. And like he punches that guy out the window and he falls and there's like the OCT. Is that the name of the, the new station or whatever in that movie? And then they follow him up with the camera and it like, <laughs> <laughs> like you can literally hear the blood splatter and the camera just like followed down all the way down the ground. I thought that was hilarious as a kid. I was trying to find something to laugh about in the movie because I was fucking terrified. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. so, Robocop, two falls for the price of one. All right, Alex, nine number four. My number four is I lied. It's almost left cliffhanger, but Ace Ventura Two, also the first five minutes of that movie. Oh yeah, which is <laughs> Ace Ventura's character. He's rescuing a raccoon. <laughs> it's pretty much the same exact scene. He's grabbing the raccoon by that little paw. <laughs> it slips out of his head. Oh my gosh! I don't remember. Was that so was was like cliffhanger that big of a hit that they decided to spoof it? Like uh, I think just that scene. Like, I mean, but, I, I, no, is that but, really made its way into pop culture at this point? Like, I, like that. Not really. Back then, it was it's a short movie. Yeah. I wouldn't go up there if I were you. And if I were you, then you'd be me, and I'd use your body to get to the top. You can't stop me no matter who you are. So uh, Cliffhanger's 93, and uh, let's see, When Nature Calls, what is it? Mm-hmm. Anyway, Scott, what's your number three? Uh, my number three 95. is something that's probably higher on your list, so I'll let you guys talk about it, but uh, Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Huh? Die Hard's my number three. Okay. I'll, I'll let you talk about it, Jeff. All right. Well, this is higher on Al- Alex. This is it higher on yours, Alex? Yeah, it's higher. Just All a little right. higher. All right, yeah, Hans Gruber falling, but we'll let Alex talk about it on his, whenever his is. So, Alex, what's your number three? My number three is a recent fall that was very dramatic and heartbreaking. And it it also took forever, too, because they were fighting up on the clifftop uh, before they got to it. But uh, Natasha Romanoff, 
The Black Widow. Oh. Yeah, that's a good pull. Yeah. That was harsh. It's a couple people fell off that cliff top. Yeah, I know. Uh, what's her Gamora. name? Gamora. Gamora. Thank you. I was like, Nebula? No, that's not her name. It's the other sister. Yep, Gamora, but... Yeah, Romanoff. He's <laughs> like fighting to see who got the die. Yeah. So it's interesting and heartbreaking. But at least, but at least she got a proper funeral by the end of the movie. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, well, Scott, then what's number two? Uh, my number two is from uh, Two Towers. Uh, movie starts. You get to see what actually happens with with Gandalf after he falls off in the in the first movie. Um, you know, oh, I yeah. still I still wonder. Awesome. Like how people felt that were really into Fellowship of the Ring, but didn't read the books. Like that didn't know what was going to happen to Gandalf. Um, you know, and then uh, you know had that emotional impact. For I think all of us had read the books at that point. Like um, so, so we knew that it you know wasn't necessarily on the line. But um, that yeah. movie starts. It's awesome. You just that long shot of the mountains, and then it's in, and then you. You know, fly you fools, and then they're falling forever. But it's so cool. Um, you know, just hey, Balrog, you want to play 20 questions? <laughs> yeah, uh, just just some of the the imagery there. Like when, when Gandalf gets the sword and he's just like beating on him all the way down, uh, it's it's just cool shit. Um, eventually, you get that that wide shot. Um, where they're in some like far, far underground cavern, uh, you know, and then it, like they're just... they were literally in Middle Earth at that. Yeah, point. Yeah, the middle of Middle Earth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then like the slowing falls because that's like how like far they're actually falling. That doesn't look like they're going that fast from that distance. Right. Um, that's just cool shit. Like that's something that isn't really expanded upon in the books. So. <laughs> Uh, good, and then he smote his ruins ruin upon the mountain side. side. Mm-hmm. Passed out of time. You got that yeah. lightning buff. Or life age. I think in the book, don't they talk about like the Borog turns into like a sludge monster or something like that when he... That's, but he's like, that puts out his flame when they land wherever they land. I think I remember that. Because that's in like the appendices or something, mm-hmm. right? Do not, remember. not necessarily the similarian, but they think the appendices of the yeah, the return, return of the king. king. Yeah, there's yeah. appendices. Yeah. I think I remember that. Mm. Um, good one. This might be a little higher on my list. A little but, higher. Yeah, because number two is Luke falling after confronting Vader, and you get the Wilhelm scream in certain versions. I guess it depends on which version you watch. Sometimes he screams, sometimes he doesn't. And he falls, and he precisely lands in a little tube. And then the tube drops him some more. And then you see his little hand fall. And then he falls again into the Millennium Falcon. So. <laughs> yeah. Luke Skywalker, after finding out that his dad is Luke Sky- or Darth Vader, falling <laughs> You're from You're Luke the- Skywalker? I'm Luke Skywalker. <laughs> no. <laughs> Dig falling from the radio antenna. That is my numero two. Luke falling. Mm-hmm. Alex. Number two is Hans Gruber. 
freaking fantastic. The the uh, <laughs> if rumors are true, the director what's his face McTiernan. Yeah. Yeah. And didn't tell old Professor Snipe that he was gonna. We well, told him that he was gonna fall, Professor but he didn't Snipe. tell him when, right? He said on the count of three, and they like, dropped him on two or something <laughs> like that. One. And yeah, yeah the, the, you could see all the fear in that slow mo fall at the very beginning. Yeah. Right in Hans Gruber's face. Acting. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. But at that point, I think it was real. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's, that was literally the first one I thought of. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, back to Scott for number one. Everyone, going back to Lord of the Rings, uh, the the uh, one of the seven endings uh, to Return of the King, mm-hmm. um, when uh, Gollum gets the the ring back finally. Um, I thought you were gonna say, "There goes Denethor, <laughs> <laughs> steward of the Gondor." <laughs> oh God, I should have done that one. Yeah. <laughs> there passes <laughs> Denethor, yeah, son of Echelon. Take your fucking tomatoes with you. <laughs> He runs forever. <laughs> like, Gandalf, you have a horse, man. You could have done something about that. Nope. <laughs> it wasn't like he was just like, as soon as he was out the door, he was over the side. It's like, nope. Like, they show that long shot. That's like a that's like, like a quarter of a mile off the side of that thing. Right? Well, it's like At the least. optics you just said, the falling in the other scene. That's how far he ran to get to the edge <laughs> yeah. of the <laughs> Yeah. Jeez. Oh, um, like I too that like what what was going through Denethor's head like he could have jumped off the side like, he didn't have to run all the way to the edge like on fire uh, anyway he's like 10 seconds into this I made a bad choice might as well might as well see this through yeah. <laughs> uh, but no Golem gets the ring back finally um that's good. After having bitten, <laughs> well, that's good. Frodo and got the ring and he's, no, it's a good scene. Um, he's jumping around. Excitement. Frodo gets up to one last attempt to get the ring back. Um, and he pushes him away. Um, ends up falling over the side. Um, there's some great sound work going on here too, um, mm-hmm. where everything goes silent and you just hear, like, I, I don't know if it's Golem's theme necessarily. Uh, but there, there's kind of like that, uh, like low coral, coral, uh, <laughs> coral, coral um, singing going on, and then uh, the camera just falls him down uh, until he falls into the lava, um, and just he dissolves, uh, you know, just look of surprise on his face, and then the the ring drops in, and uh, and then, you know stuff happens from there. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's my number one. Nice. So when you guys read that, or when you obviously you said we all read the books, did I read that differently than what happened in the movie? And I don't know if I just misread it or if they took a different interpretation. I kind of felt like he bit off Frodo's finger, and then just like doing that, he lost his balance and he fell in. Like I don't remember Frodo going back and wrestling with him and then falling. I, in. I'd, I'd have to, to read. It. It's been a while since I've actually read it. Yeah, so. yeah. But for the most part, when I went back, would Gollum in the cave when they introduced introduced like in the prologue when they when uh, Cape Lanchester doing the like that was exactly how I pictured. I never him standing on the rock and I, like that when I saw that I was like holy crap! Very few times have I read a book and like they put that 
on the screen. Yeah, there, there's, was... there's so much of that going on in, in the whole trilogy. But, uh, yeah, I'll save that for mm-hmm. <laughs> another conversation. All right, uh, well, my number one is the Gandalf scene. And the reason I chose that over Star Wars, because, well, first, it's cool because they fight on the way down. But it, the fact that it spans two movies, right? You know, and the Fellowship is when he falls, and you have the fly, you fools, and he drops and just disappears. <laughs> then and then, like, later, he's, he's still falling. <laughs> yeah. And then, as Scott said earlier, that's what starts the two towers. And you just, yeah, the mountains, they, go, they you zoom in on them, and you hear the battle cries from this, you know, you shall not pass, and all that stuff. And then it just goes in, and, yeah, him getting the sword, fighting him the whole way down, and, yeah. Badass. Yeah, I, st- I, st- I still fucking love uh, <laughs> McKellen. Uh, you know, he he was. I don't know if he was in some march or some protest, but there, there was a picture of him with that sh- with the T-shirt that. And I I always try to bring this up when I can, but he was he was wearing that T-shirt that said, "I was Gandalf and Magneto. Deal with it." Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> All right, uh, Alex, number one. My number one is Return of the Jedi. Good old Sheev Palpatine. Ooh. Oh. I like that fall because it's, it's finally uh, Vader's redemptive arc completes. He throws off helping his son for the first time for the last is time. Is it complete at that point? Uh, yes, it fucking should be. <laughs> <laughs> But not only that, all the other times that that fall has been parodied, most recently in the uh, Star Wars, Lego Star Wars Christmas special, <laughs> it was great. And it's like, no more dark side for old Chief Palpatine, and then he explodes. <laughs> and then in uh, Robot Chicken, of course, where, <laughs> where they do <laughs> a freeze frame in mid-fall, and then Bob O'Reilly starts playing, <laughs> and yeah. he's like, how did my life get to this point? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's fantastic. Was there also a skin robot chicken where like the janitor is like always sweeping dead bodies off the ground because people are always just falling? <laughs> yeah, I gotta yeah, get a new no shift. Really. There, there, yeah. was, there was some other gif I saw the other day of Lego spoof on on this where it was all perspective. Where the fall was actually super short, but just because of all the lines and the lights, it just looks further. <laughs> so he just like slides down the bottom and is fine. Like after like twenty feet. Oh yeah. Oh, that's how he survives. Yeah, to... yeah. There you go. The last whatever, fucking Return of the what's it? The Last Jedi. Yeah, that's the one. No, was that the yeah. last movie? No, it's Return of Skywalker. Or yeah, Rise of, like Rise of Skywalker. There we go. Ugh. All right, any honorable mentions? A lot of honorable mentions here. Um, so, uh, the beginning of Mass Effect, Mass Effect Two. Uh, let's see, all, both Star Wars you guys did. Um, uh, a team. Oh yeah, that's right. When they're when they're using the, they're firing the tank to adjust their trajectory, which is utterly ridiculous, but, <laughs> yeah. but it's still fun. And uh, who framed Roger Rabbit when when Eddie falls off the building, and all the cartoon shit happens to him on the way down? Oh yeah, he meets Bugs and Mickey. Yeah. Oh, you don't want to Yeah, I said I want it. Just give it to me, Harry. You heard him. Give it to him. <laughs> that's a good one. I'm sure there's a lot. I've pretty much found five and I stopped, but I'm sure I could find more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The fall of the Roman Empire. <laughs> Fuck, Fuck it. it. 
Uh, Matrix falling out of the, they're jumping out of the the, the plane and landing yeah. in a swamp in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Joker. I thought you were talking about the Batman. movie The Matrix, not <laughs> yeah, not John Matrix. <laughs> yeah, The Matrix when he when he doesn't get the jump the first time. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Joker, Batman '89. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, it's time for Alex Knows Sports. I'm Alex, and I like sports. Sports ball? So, uh, what's going on? Spring spring break for baseball players. <laughs> They're drinking yep. cactus coolers down in Arizona and playing spring break baseball. Go baseball. You guys ready for 162 games of baseball again? I don't know. Is, is it 162, Alex? Yeah, why not? It's a big <laughs> number. There's a shitload of baseball games. I don't know if they're actually doing 162, but... Uh, if they're starting now, then I don't know why they wouldn't. That is true. I, I know the league said that they wanted to do it, but I don't know if maybe they countered. But uh, I'm, we'll, I'm a We'll counter bitter, that with 192 games. I've, I've, my, uh, my optimism has finally run out this offseason for, <laughs> for the Angels. Uh, so... Yeah, I, I, my my hopes are not too high. My app ran out in 2012. I don't know. Mm. Anyway. Baseball, Al Capone's favorite pastime. That's true. Topical. That which brings him joy. We look. I mean, I'll definitely once the season starts, I'll be watching. I'll watch the first like series, and then I'll stop watching. I, it'll be one of the, I guess, the good things about always having a tv around now is i should be able to, to watch more games um yeah i missed a lot of baseball uh being at work over the over the years stupid so, work yeah i know the games are starting early like an hour earlier now like the home games are starting like at 6 30 or 6 o'clock as opposed to 7 7 30 because you don't have to wait for people to get out of traffic to get to the stadium <laughs> just uh, one, one, that's at least here in, in the Angels. I don't know what the rest of the yeah. countries like, but uh, one 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 funny note uh, about uh, the Seattle Mariners. The uh, uh, the president resigned because he he called like the local Rotary Club and just went on this tangent and just basically just just had this whole. Like, nobody was asking questions, but he just started spitting out all these, like, mildly, like, racist and elitist things about <laughs> about the team in Seattle and about how they were keeping players back to keep their service time down, which is like, yeah, that shit happens, but you never admit it. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, he, he stepped oh, down. Baseball. Unwritten rule. Yeah. Like, he was ragging on people for not speaking English. Um, Jesus age. Yeah, so it, it was it was the kind of scandal I actually wish the Angels would have because their pitching coach is suspended for sexual harassment right now. So, luckily, not while he was an Angel. At least I hope so. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, we got to do like a bunch of baseball movies coming up to lead up to this. Okay, I'm down. Little Big League, the Rookie of the Year. Mr. Baseball. Mr. Baseball. Dreams. Big hit, happy buddy. Have we done Mr. Baseball? We've done yet? Mr. Baseball. Yeah. 
Mustache red for the ladies. Uh, was it The Natural? Is that the one where he busts the lights at the end? Yeah, I've never seen that movie, and I don't know if I want to. Me either. It's good. But then I have no idea what you think is good these days, Jeff. So. <laughs> the Sandlot? Oh, we've done The Sandlot. We've definitely done The Sandlot. Um, Alright, uh, it's time for Neem News! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. Okay, we're going to follow the, the format we've done the, the last uh, eight weeks, seven weeks, um, where we're going to talk about talk WandaVision. WandaVision, <laughs> yeah, nonstop, let's go. WandaVision at the end. Uh, but first, Alex, anything you want to go over? Uh, yeah, I finally started on the Yakuza series of video games after uh, they've been out for a while and I've had it in my library for quite a bit but I finally decided to pop it in and it uh, started with Yakuza 0 the prequel to the whole series and it is freaking bananas yeah it's awesome I I thought people were exaggerating and stuff but uh yeah it's like the, the there's two main stories two main characters that you switch back and forth and the main story is like a really gripping action drama with, you know, the mafia ties and everything in Japan, in this little district uh, in Japan where the nightlife is... Uh, Komorocho. Yeah, Komorocho. The nightlife is happening, and there's money everywhere, and it takes place in the 1980s, and it's awesome. But all the side quests are fucking... <laughs> they, are, they are just insane. And it's such a contrast that you can't help but smile, and I'm, I always look forward to... Uh, the side quest, maybe a little bit more than I do the main story, <laughs> but it's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, so one note on the, these these Yakuza games, um, at a glance, like people would be like, "Oh, that's like GTA, but in Japan." But that, yeah, that could be like that is absolutely not what they are. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of heart in these games, um, a lot of silliness. I mean, obviously GTA has silliness as well. Um, but uh, yeah, this is not GTA, and I nope. also totally recommend this to people that are looking for something a little different. Uh, yep, yeah. a lot of TNA. I'll tell you that. A lot, much. a lot of action too. A lot of beat 'em up stuff. Mm-hmm. Some way over the top beat 'em up stuff. That's <laughs> so fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I recommend. I don't know how far in it I am. I'm a few chapters in, and I'm already at the uh, the cabaret club mini game. Yeah, with yeah. Uh, Majima, and I can't stop playing it. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. It's making money. All right, anything else, Alex? Nope, that's it. WandaVision, go. Right, Jeff, anything you want to go over before we talk about WandaVision? No. No. No, I don't. <laughs> no. We've been doing this podcast for too long. Yeah, I don't think so. I haven't watched anything since last week besides... Untouchables and WandaVision and King's Hockey. Okay. Yeah, I did. So, the sorry, ju- ju- jumping back into the sports real quick, I did see this clip. <laughs> I don't know how recent it was, but it looked like like minor league hockey um, where a goalie came out to, to get the puck and pass it off, and a guy from the other team came in and cross-checked him. And, like, he got murdered. <laughs> like yeah, the, the guy that did come, like I was like why would you do that like I, I guess there's people that like that just don't care he's like yeah I'm gonna get my ass kicked I don't care but like 
then that guy got like decapitated, like the guy that did the cross checking on the goalie. So, just thought that was interesting. Like, that's like the one thing. That's like the one rule, right? Like, like if you if you fuck with the goalie, you're gonna get your ass beat. Yep, right or wrong. Yeah, whether the goalie deserves it. They all deserve it. (laughs) Bunch of little bitches. (laughs) All right. Why is that a rule then? Unwritten rule. Right. Unwritten rule. But why? Because the goalie has to be able to like pay attention to what's going on without worrying about people running into him. I don't know why. But also, like, if the goalie gets hurt, then the game's over. You got more goalie. I mean, yeah, professionals will have a backup goalie, but if you're playing out on the on the on the hot ponds of uh, <laughs> mystery Alaska, <laughs> yeah, I see. Yeah, okay. You, you just don't. It's like you don't hit the quarterback. There's like, I mean, those actually are written rules now. In football, yeah. But typically, you don't do it. But like, if you ice, I'm gonna tell you, the... if you stand in front of the net in hockey, a goalie will give it to you as much as you can. They'll stick you, get you, and then you turn around, you touch him, and then the defenseman punches you in the face. So it's bullcrap. <laughs> but sometimes you just do it because they're jinks. Or you just accidentally fall on them. Ah! <laughs> Feign death. What's what's it called when you like stop and like spray ice on them with the icing? That's called icing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just give him a snow shower. Snow shower. Okay. Give him a golden shower. Yeah. Give him a golden shower. <laughs> um, all right. Ice. So. Uh, yeah, if there's nothing else. Uh, we'll... Oh, sorry, I did watch one thing. I watched the uh, Infinity War. Oh, I heard that's. Uh, I haven't seen that one. in forever. <laughs> yeah, I watched like, like the half of it, the last half, and I, I forgot it was pretty good. I haven't. I've always been watching Endgame lately. I haven't watched Infinity War in a while. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always start like right at the ending sequence. So, just watch the whole movie. It's long. It's, it's long. Good. That's a commitment. <laughs> it just sucks now watching it with. Um, Jesus, Black Panther. Every time I see him now, I get all sad. Yeah. Because yeah. they're building him up. Like he was going to be the shit in the next phase. It's like amazing. One of my favorite scenes probably of all time in Marvel is that the, scene, the fight scene in Wakanda when they have to open a part of the, the shield or whatever. They all run to that side and just him and Cap just take off running. And it's, you know, like yeah. it's, they're super fast, but it's not like it's a flat. It's like a blur, like with Superman or the Flash. It's like you can see them in frame the whole time. It's just they're that much faster, right? Like they're twice as fast, not a thousand times faster. Just, mm-hmm. oh, I, just, it's, I love it. It's so mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, that, like again, I think that my, my favorite part, at least the whole when everybody shows up again, is like the first person you see is is uh, him, Okoye, and Shiri. Um, but he just gives that like that that kind of like stiff. Like nod to him of like like I know what you've been through, bro. Like <laughs> that that always gets me. Um, it's uh, yeah, sad stuff. Uh, also, I'll never forget when we went and somebody in the one or two people in the audience just yelled like as soon as they you saw their silhouettes and that thing. What kind of fire? Yeah, so cool. Yeah, yeah, I always love it. That's those are the first like like you see all the the Wakandans pouring through like the fate of humanity and this this they're like the first ones to step up. Like it's just it's really cool. Like setting That's up awesome. this this whole like culture and people, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And then the re- reason I brought this up and why we're watching it was also the death of Vision and the whole Wanda stuff, which they're referring to a lot now in the show. Is just going back and watching that again and good yeah. stuff. 
Yeah, so right. Well, let's talk about WandaVision. Okay, so, yeah, just to just preface this, I, I was talking to my mom about WandaVision. Um, <laughs> we were just talking about TV shows in general, and she, 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 not unrelated to WandaVision, but she'd asked me if, uh, if I, if I was watching Dead Man Walking. <laughs> And I had to ask you, do you mean Walking Dead? She's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> At the Sean Penn movie? Yeah, that's exactly. So, uh, that has funny. Walking Dead had like a resurgence? Because I hear more and more people talking about it. And... I don't know. I've, I've never watched it, so I, I don't know what's going on with it. But I do see the first few seasons. Yeah, the first few seasons were awesome. Then it got awful. And then everyone left the cat. Most of the people left the cast. And then now I'm seeing people coming back. So I don't. I don't know if it's just their careers didn't take off, or there's another coming back, <laughs> or if like the writing and the story and they got better. Like I don't know, but like what's her face, Maggie? I don't know the actress's Cohen or something. Like Maggie she's Cohen. back and she left the show. Um, something. Where is it Cohen? Mag. Anyway, if you didn't watch the show, Maggie. Um, yeah. I don't know if Rick's come back, but anyway, maybe I'll go back and like I'll watch like a YouTube synopsis of what I've missed over the past three years, and that'll be enough. Okay. Anyway. Um, So, on to WandaVision. Uh, So, for the the first time uh, this season, we don't get the the sitcom opening in this one. Mm -hmm. Um, It just starts right away on where we left off last week, where um, Agatha, I kept calling her Agnes last week, which makes sense because Agnes Harkness... It means Lamb. Lamb of God. It's a a weird name. But uh, Agatha... Um, starts running down like exactly what she was doing again. Um, well, it's got one thing. I know you said it didn't have the intro, but it did have the previously on, which I don't think they normally do. And the name of this episode was previously on. Oh, oh, nice. Yeah, because I don't think Good they normally call. do that on this show. Like yeah. what, what you missed last week. Yeah, and this time they did, and the name right. of the episode was previously right. on. Previously on right. Battlestar Galactica. Okay, exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think about that. Um, so, yeah, we dig into Agatha's backstory, where she's a literal witch. <laughs> um, like a powerful one, too, at that, seemingly. Um, way back from, uh, the, like, the Salem era, whatever. Uh, they, they, did, they did some de-aging technology on Catherine Hahn for, for that sequence, by the way. I thought that was interesting. Looked yeah. like it, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Um, a little bit. But yeah, they show back, and uh, I like I like how Catherine Hahn's character uh, is. It's definitely a lot more frazzled than we've ever seen her. Like her hair is kind of a mess now, all of a sudden, and uh, mm-hmm. like she's basically given up all the pretenses of, of what it was she was trying to do before. Um, she's getting impatient. I want that power. But yeah, she starts spitting out a lot of exposition about the magic and stuff, and and we actually learned some interesting things about uh, um, her backstory. Uh, but I, I thought that, I thought. As the crux of the episode, I thought it was cool that we were able to dive into to her backstory. Um, you know, they, they they mentioned it in Age of Ultron, um, and they they talk about like why they're uh, they why they are after or why why they're willing to help Ultron and and uh, take down Tony Stark. Um, yeah, that's fucked up. That's all just kind of exposition. Um, Whereas here, you know, we get to see it all play out. Um, you know, it was just cool as as somebody who is, is a part of the Avengers, uh, like to 
to not not really have her like backstory to just have her kind of show up um so it was cool to to, to see that now um and it was good stuff um you know we we learned that like why she was going through all of the the different tv shows uh, because of the, the dvds that her dad was trying to sell which is yeah. super depressing by the way <laughs> yep <laughs> it all comes back to childhood trauma yeah so um so like oh okay that that all makes sense now why she like subconsciously is latched on to to this vision of nope pun intended of of, <laughs> of, of, of this life that she wants to live uh, but we the most interesting thing though is that we learned that she she had magic powers whatever you want to call them uh before she encountered the infinity stone and yes that's likely how she survived it um yes. so yeah. i thought that that was interesting um, she might not have that was the biggest the reveal of this episode yeah the, yeah. But, yeah it was it was a pretty big reveal um yeah. and I, I thought it was it was really cool from the standpoint of it doesn't change any like there's no retconning needed like mm-hmm. like it just more of like how and who and who she is um it doesn't like affect anything she might have done like previously um so what one thing about that scott so in ultron she talks about how her and her brother laid there for two days waiting for the stark bomb to blow up and it didn't or whatever but she was controlling it but i guess she didn't realize she was controlling it like they were just sitting there but maybe she didn't realize she had the power right like she probably didn't yeah. right well i think agatha at one point says like the the because you encountered the stone it like brought out your powers that otherwise would have like died on the vine or something like that where mm-hmm. like right. like she needed that spark i guess um but she wasn't necessarily lying when she told the story about how she was waiting there for two days like right she, yeah, no that was that was she, all true she yeah she didn't know she was like doing it exactly yeah yeah, yeah. um Is it the probability spell that's what agatha right. called it yeah. exactly the the hex yeah the um, so so yeah that that's that's really interesting like my, my one of my questions that spun of that for me was her brother like getting abilities like did he have innate magic because it seems like like the witch stuff is all like it has to be women um so maybe he just had enough in the blood or did she use her magic to like have him survive the stone yeah good they didn't question. really show that but yeah that is a good question mm. so without we'll her would the... he have gotten powers basically we'll find out in pietro vision <laughs> yeah, next season Okay, speaking of Pietro, maybe you're going to get to it, but so they say that, you know, she couldn't, she had the, you know, she was trying to get all the information out of her. She couldn't, you know, he was like a necromancer spell because, you know, the body, the real, the real brother was all holed up. In another continent. Yeah. So yeah. the fact that this, the the person she used looked like the guy from the, like the Fox <laughs> movies really has nothing to do with anything then, right? Just, just a weird flex that the Disney did. Yeah, okay. It's the fan thing. But plot wise, has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so it far. could, it, it could, it could though. Yeah. Um, so what? What I didn't get. What, what I'm still kind of on the fence about was. Yes, Agnes. Sorry, Agatha, created mm-hmm. the the other Pietro. Um, mm-hmm. But it was still was it still drawing on her subconscious somehow? So like. Is is that Pietro, like, 
he, he, she was able to see through him and, and, and whatnot. But is is he evil? Like, at least within that, that construct. Um, you know, we, we left off the episode before last with the, the, the stinger of the, you know, peeper's going to peep. Um, and at this point, we have to assume that uh, he did something to Rambo. Otherwise, she would have shown up. Why they're yeah, having all that right. exposition. Sure. Um, yeah. But who knows? So what What if after this is all said and done, there's this other uh, Pietro that's been hit, you know, created out of like whole cloth and her memories and, and Agatha, whatever she put in there. And it's this Pietro new actor. Pietro you're way better than Pietro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so that's the thing that could happen. Like where yeah. there's this other Quicksilver running around by but played by this other actor because of the events in the in the hex is it right um, well agatha mentioned that this pietro was her eyes and ears so i think this one is a hundred percent controlled by agatha see i don't i'm not convinced of that well he put a, he put a spell a literal spell on rambo so unless he's a witch also what, what do you mean he put a spell he just shows you, up. And, you said it yourself. No, no, no. I said, peep and then I said, no, no, I said, his... I said it's likely that he did something. You don't see him do anything, though. No, yes, you do. No, you, I do not. He does the that. thing, and, and purple magic shoots out of his fingers into her face. What? I don't remember. Oh, that. man. I shot purple lasers into her face. <laughs> yeah. He puts a whammy on her, then she gets knocked I out. Thought, I thought he says. I don't remember. Peeper's going to peep, and then it just cuts. She looks surprised, and then it just cuts. I don't yeah, remember him doing anything. I'll have to go back and watch. What it. if he said no whammies, no whammies, no whammies? <laughs> yeah, he, so. she did not. Rambo did not say that, so uh, that's why she got a whammy on her. All right. So, anyways, we we go through her whole backstory. Uh, she got the powers. How she got the Infinity Stone. Um, mm-hmm. Were either of those actors from Age of Ultron? By the way, the two scientists. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. Maybe they could have been in the bunker at the beginning of Age of Ultron, but I don't maybe. Um, at, at any rate, they go through that. Um, they show a little bit of of how uh, Vision and and Wanda connect. Uh, while they're in the the Avengers base, and she's kind of feeling all alone. Um, mm-hmm. so Alex, I just watched the last scene. He does nothing to her. Oh man, I could have sworn he put a whammy on. She, she said, Peeper's going to peep. She looks back. Her eyes are glowing purple. Ah. But she showed that ability earlier, right? When Yeah. She... No, glowing pur- her eyes glow blue. Like bright, bright blue. Not purple. Purple is Agatha's power. We'll have to watch it again. Okay, maybe it's blue. It's Because it's the same. Never mind. She, he does nothing to her. Anyway. <laughs> so, so, like, so we get to see them together, which is nice. Because really, we don't get much of that. Um, there's like the one scene where he's trying to cook for her yeah. in, in uh, Civil War and then all of a sudden they're like in some hotel like we're getting ready to bang in Scotland mm-hmm. <laughs> in Endgame uh, so it was, a little, it was nice to see see a little more development there with that and then when she shows up at S.W.O.R.D. and uh, another big uh, reveal where um, she doesn't walk away with the body yeah, like, yep. that guy's just an asshole. And he's been lying the whole time. So I was hoping it wouldn't be like that, just because it seemed like such an easy thing to do. 
but yeah, it looks like that's the case. Yeah. Um, where they were doing that, like, I, I was curious, like, why he was like let, like, willing to let her, uh, like, in and see the body and everything, like. I think it was he was hoping that there would be some sort of reaction in order to help him. Uh, which okay. reactivate the that, synthesoid, that, which that makes yeah. that makes sense. Eventually, yeah. He even said that, like, "Oh, you're the only one who can possibly reanimate him." Like, you, like he says it like reverse psychology on her, almost to like get her to try. Right. Mm-hmm. That that is true. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I was like, why would he say that? Okay, that makes sense now. I, di- I didn't think about it that way. Um, yeah, he does try to he does kind of egg her on, but she doesn't take the bait. Um, well, not wholly anyway. Uh, yeah, she, she walks away. Um, and then we, and like the second to last kind of big reveal, we, we find out like how she wound up in, in Westview, um, at that house and uh, like how those people got trapped because they were people that live there. Obviously that, that's not new information, but we actually see them walking around town before all this. Like they're the one guy's like a piano teacher. Um, uh, see the one guy is all still delivery man. <laughs> Uh, like the post the postman is still like a delivery guy um looks like he has like one of those pizza uh warm or whatever keeps the pizzas warm um mm-hmm. you you see the the next door neighbor walking around um so yeah you see more you see the gazebo and the, the town square and everything and uh and then yeah she um she puts a whammy on him yeah she she does the the hex and yeah um then we go to credits and then we get another stinger uh, where we see that they actually have rebuilt vision. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, that guy's been a lying douche this whole time, mm-hmm. uh, but somehow they've siphoned. I was, I wasn't quite clear on what happened there. Like from one of the drones. Yeah. The one that she took out. Okay. That yeah. has some of the hex energy on it somehow. Mm-hmm. And they tap into that to power up this this rebuilt vision sands infinity stone. It was all just this monochromatic, like silverish color, grayish color. Mm-hmm. Um, White vision. Yeah, he does come to life. Um, you know, and then seen. So we have no idea if like he's just like a robot that will do whatever they say or whatever, but um it's definitely uh the one when the vision inside there and we actually see him get created out of out of uh, like pure hex whole cloth however you want to phrase it yeah. um, inside uh, her construct, um, but he does seem to have like his own will though. It's, it's it is interesting. Like yeah. of all the characters, it's like her, the kids, and the uh, and Agatha are like the only ones that seem to be able to kind of think outside of. This this construct that she's set up, like yeah, people right. break so, away from that and like glitch out and stuff, but they're the ones that seem to be like kind of acting somewhat independently. Okay, so one thing I want a couple questions here. We finally got an answer, and I think my theory was right in that she created this herself to deal with her grief. We kind of got that answer yeah, fine. Yeah. That was a big thing. Is that what's what's going on here? But since everything's happening in her bubble, are her kids real? Like if the bubble, yeah, she takes yes, it down. That's yeah, that's a good question. Um, mm-hmm. um, so that's interesting. But like you said, the 
it does seem like Vision does have some form of a free will here. So, like, what's going on with that? Um, now, this white um, Vision, is this, like, the original intent of Ultron? Is this going to be an Ultron? Like, is he going to talk like David's... Not David Spade. James Spader? David Spader. <laughs> <laughs> like, I kind of cool. want David Spade, though. Yeah. No, I, I want him to talk like Spader, because that would be cool. Um, and then, uh, oh, what's the other thing I had? The, that was my big thing. Is like, is this like going to be like what Ultron was? How is this supposed to be? Because I, what Ultron wanted it to be, I guess, right? Because yeah. ultimately, Stark wanted Vision to be what Vision was, but I don't even remember. I have to go back and watch Ultron to be honest with you. There's, there's they were trying to build a weapon. Yeah, like, His whole thing was to build a weapon to protect. Well, a lot of it is just like Thor goes to a magic cave and comes back and is like, we need to bring him to life. It, it, it wasn't yeah. terribly well written. Okay. <laughs> so it's uh, kind of hard to parse together what the actual like lore there is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we got the, I don't know if you mentioned, I, maybe I missed it, the big reveal of Scarlet Witch. Yes, yeah. What you're doing yeah. is, is, yes, is... is like chaos magic you're a scarlet witch and that's the first time we've actually heard that term in the mcu yeah uh so right is that trek correct yes no? that's yes. that's the first time okay. we've heard that um we kind of the, the last thing that, that i want to talk about was the uh, going back to her going through her past when she has the interaction with the infinity stone and they watch on the camera where there's like that that glitch where all of a sudden she's on the ground. Um, But she's having this whole thing that only she can see going on Mm -hmm. in that split second. Um, There's like, like an angelic thing of her that has the, the headpiece. Yeah. The Scarlet witch. Um, So it makes me think that that's like something part of her heritage or whatever. Um, She says like, Oh, this is what the old soothsayers or whatever. So yeah. I wonder how that, I wonder how that like plays into, to it all. Yeah. She better have a badass Scarlet Witch costume by the end of it. <laughs> awesome. So is she, is this going to be, like, at the end of this, I'm almost wondering if the Agatha Christie, whatever the fuck her name is, Agatha Harkness, <laughs> is she, like, all of a sudden, like, she's the bad guy, but is she not? Like, is she so, now she found out what it is, like, is... Could Scarlet Witch become like the super bad, like a temporary, like like a uh, Dark Phoenix or something uh, like that? Possibly. I'm trying, I'm trying yeah. to think about that because Harkness, unless she was like still inside of like an illusion down in her basement, she led her out of the basement. She keeps waffling back and forth between wanting to know how she was doing everything, obviously, so she could do it, but at the same time, she keeps pushing her to like figure out like what her truth is. Like I, I don't think she actually cares about her. But I wonder if she has like some kind of like other motive other than just getting power. Um, well, no, I, I think she wanted the power, and then she realized she'll never be able to have the power because she's the Scarlet Witch, and no one can have it except her. Yeah. And now is she like, oh, we got to destroy this thing because this is too powerful. This could interesting, right? Yeah. I, I don't know, Maybe. but like that could be something like that. It was weird, like when she had her in the basement, she had all the runes around, so she couldn't use her magic. But yeah, then she let her outside. But I'm still confused. If everything yeah. is being controlled by Wanda, couldn't Wanda... 
this is like being in the Matrix, and she could just remove those runes. I, 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 I think those runes were there before. I think there's this magic. Agatha, I think Agatha lived in town, and she, that was her den before. So while the hex was going on all around her, the only thing that wasn't changed or anything was her basement because it was protected by a roof. Um, I don't know. So that Vision was... has very bad real estate investment strategies. <laughs> yeah. He happened to invest. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I did almost laugh out loud when I saw the deed. Or like they just the two of them walked into a bank like <laughs> and like yeah. with a notary. It was like okay, like Vision. Okay, like he's got yeah. he's got like a social security number. Man, like, yeah. Um, but uh, I I don't think she was in town. I think she moved in when she sensed all the stuff happening, Alex. And she has enough of her own power okay. that she was able to manipulate, like her witch's den. Okay, just make it or teleport it in or whatever. Yeah, I think she had enough control of like of that small area. She just kind of carved it out for herself. Okay. Um, yeah, I can see that too. I, I I think it makes sense. She was like nearby when all this was happening. I don't know. Maybe you could be right, though. Maybe she was actually living in that town. But uh, it seems like a coincidence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if um, Scarlet Witch had a power before the stone, what power did she have? Is she a mutant? Is she... Well, I think I think they've, they've established that there's magic. Yeah. So she sure. she just had access to magic, yeah. So, yeah, is she more of a Doctor Strange type? She's more then, of a Doctor but... Strange type, yeah. I'd say so. Okay. Um, but like a very specific type... Like, but he yeah. didn't have any. He didn't have the study to become that, or she's just born with it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What well, seemed like the whole witch's covenant thing was like, yeah, because like her mother was there, so it was something that was passed on to her. Oh yeah, and maybe yeah, it was when Agatha said it was going to die on the vine was because she wasn't being trained as a witch, so her powers are just going to stay dormant or eventually go away. So, okay, yeah. maybe. I just feel like cause, I don't know. I mean, all we, the only sorcerer we know, I guess, is Doctor Power. Doctor Power, <laughs> Doctor Strange, and Wu. I guess are the only two. Now, is it Wu Wong? Um, I've been watching too much um, <laughs> Deadwood. Wu. Anyway, um, we don't know what Wu. If Wu. I mean, he just we don't know anything about his backstory. But Doctor Strange, I had no, he had nothing to do with it until he wanted to fix his hands and then he right, went and... right. Shambhala yeah so I need to rewatch that it's been a, it's been a while mm-hmm. um, no I, I love that we got I feel this episode wasn't the best but I felt we got some answers and more questions which is always good for an episode right like mm-hmm. we got her Catherine Hahn's character's back Bagatha Christie's backstory we got <laughs> Bagatha Christie <laughs> We got the answer of who's controlling, what's going on with the whole bubble to begin with. Uh, that she, we got yeah, big answers about how her powers initiated before the Mind Stone. The, the uh, quotes from Springfield guest Damien. I was, I was having a, a brief chat with him, and uh, I, he said it was the devil. <laughs> he said it was all for him. Um, yeah. The so the. Agatha character is is from the comics. Like, right. I don't think that's a big surprise. Like, but just to confirm, like, like so the, the, they're drawing on some kind of backstory for her for for this, uh, which is cool. Like, I, yeah. I think I think Mar like the MCU like one of one of its strengths is being able to pull on these kind of obscure characters and, and 
make them relevant in the in the grander scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Yep. Agreed. And I hope I, I've heard some people say, uh, "Well, let's see." Kevin Smith talks about it. there's other characters that along with Agatha, and they keep naming these characters. I'm not going to name them here because I've never heard of them before, but <laughs> people who know comics could name them. And I don't feel it's going to be that. But we'll see. So, but yeah, so I've, next I've, week I've heard that she's going to be in the second Doctor Strange movie. How crazy would it be if one? A Benedict Cumberbatch shows up in the next episode. That's the rumor I've heard. Or in the last episode, and that ties into the next movie. Right. That's the rumor I have heard. I think it's not a rumor. She's actually in the new Doctor Strange movie, so people are assuming that he's going to be in this series somehow. And then, I mean, we have one episode left, so... Maybe it's not him. Maybe it's just Wong. Maybe maybe instead of Benedict Cumberbatch, Benedict Wong shows up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's only one left. Yeah, I thought it was two. No, just one more. That was episode eight, and there's one little... According to yeah, IMDb. Yeah, yeah, I just want to say that 48 minutes does not an hour make, these fucking liars. <laughs> and it's like 10 you minutes lie, of credits. Liars. Yeah. There are a lot of it's credits. Like, this is true. Yeah, it's like the English, the, the English localization. <laughs> the German localization. <laughs> oh, no, they have that every episode. I know, but that's why they'll say oh, it's I see. that long, uh, but it's yeah, really yeah. like five, ten minutes of the bullshit credits. I, I get you. Yep. We'll see. I don't care how long, as long as it's good, I don't really care how long yeah. it is. So far, so good. Yeah. All right, so if there was, we finished the TV shows, we had the previously on, what's going to be the next one? Filmed in front of a live studio audience? <laughs> now um, in color. And now for the conclusion of or something, like that was that was a Star Trek thing though, so I don't know. Yeah, like Star Trek would always do that the two parters where, it, or sometimes even three or four parters with the. And now for I the remember conclusion. some sitcoms doing that if they have like a running like a two or three episode arc. I think yeah. they would do that sometime. Yeah. Trying to think, like well maybe if we if we look at the MCU stuff, like what what could they do? Um, in game in game in game colon in game <laughs> just gotta, you gotta change that gotta name. work on that title <laughs> alright well sounds like we're running out of steam here anything else nope nope predictions uh, we're, we're, we're gonna get another Avenger I think in this next uh, well, so, so, somebody a big MCU character is going to show up in this yeah some, somebody big I think that's a good prediction um, I think they're they're definitely going to set up a something for the characters in this show um, outside of Elizabeth Olsen and uh, Paul Bettany so we're gonna, is are the two visions going to fight mm, or are they going to mm, merge mmm good Alex that, I like that well, they don't merge without a fight, so I think yeah, they we're... fight and they merge. <laughs> yeah. They fight, they fight, they bone, and then they merge. Mm-hmm. I think that's how that'll work. And now, is this series <laughs> a one and done? Is this can this keep going? Does WandaVision end after this, and it spins off into a totally different thing? I feel like this. Maybe. I feel like this is a one and done. Um, but so but they're too. setting up all these characters. Like again, you got the Jimmy Woo. Um, you've got Rambo. Yeah, you got yeah, Sword no Rambo in this. 
episode. You've got Darcy, I guess. Yeah, Darcy. As like the... If you're going to set up like one of these shows, she's the resident hacker nerd person. Like, <laughs> so Is she maybe in the new Thor that's coming out? I don't know. So... Yeah, I bet there won't be new WandaVision, but these characters, like you said, will be spun into either shows together or different shows. Yeah, I think, I think this won't be the last we, we see of Sword. And Correct. we haven't really learned, like, how Sword... Like, so they kind of mentioned how, Ram, like, Rambo Sr., <laughs> uh, Monica's mom, what was her name? I don't remember. Um, uh, Mrs. Mo- Mrs. Rambo. Mrs. Rambo yeah. was, like, the head of Sword... Um. So, like, did this get spun off out of Shield? Like, what? What's the like? How did this, this, this government clearly governmental uh, agency get spun up? So, Doesn't it stand for space something or other? Like, this might be the whole new. Well, they said the, they, they gave the they gave the initialism. No, they gave the initialism, the acronym at some point where it was like had to do with weapons, like special like intelligent was... weapons or something like that. Like, yeah. Sentient Weapon Observation and Response Division. There you go. Sentient. Weapon. Oh, because of uh, Captain Marvel. She can be classified as that. I feel like the Predator's going to attack me. Yeah, yeah. Right <laughs> I have a theory on what that rattling noise is, but we'll handle it offline. Okay. Yeah. The Predator, I know. That's what it is. <laughs> I have Over a secondary here. theory. Yeah. Over here. <laughs> oh, man, I some fun. All right. Um, that's it? Yep. The Predator wants to talk more, but we're not going to let him. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please go into our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Hans Shot First. Subscribe. Give us a buck. You'll get all sorts of great content, like quotes from Springfield and quotes from Springfield <laughs> and old episodes of Jeff Talk Star Wars. That's right. And uh, yeah, maybe one of these days we'll move this Marvel talk to that. But until now, yeah, it's on here. Nice. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, excellent to each other. We at Hans Shop First would like to thank you for listening and supporting the podcast. We would love to hear from you, so feel free to contact us on Facebook and Twitter at Hans Shop First. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are greatly appreciated and help us get more exposure. Once again, thanks for listening and supporting the podcast.